glad to see you. If you're new to us, my name is David Hurtado. I'm the lead pastor here. So glad you're here. I'll be out afterwards. Maybe we can connect afterwards on the patio. That'd be awesome. If you weren't here last week, I, it was my first week back from July filled with camping. Thank you, church, for letting us have some uh, you know, intentional time to focus on the family. It was awesome. It was a wonderful time. Uh, things are going wonderful with the family. In fact, we are in contract right now to buy a house in Camarillo. So things are going really, really well. We're really excited about that. Yeah. And so, uh, well, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here this morning. I have to tell you, uh, if you look in your program real quick, uh, you can see this Bless the Teacher card. Go ahead and take it out right now. I want to talk about this a little bit. I was actually supposed to do this last week, and I had so much stuff to say that I just I skipped it. Sorry. So just to clarify some confusion, uh, Bless the Teacher, uh, we, it's one of our values around here to have an impact on our community. So if you're, if you're with our church for any kind of time, three or four times a year, we're going to do something, something that's outside of us, outside these walls, something where we get nothing back for it. And so this is one, this is one of those things that falls in that category. Bless a teacher, the idea is we're trying to put together some gift bags that we can give to uh, teachers in our community. We're, we picked three schools, and the reason we're not telling you the name of the schools, because depending on how many we actually get, that could alter. We want to be able to get all the teachers in one school, rather than saying, sorry, first grade teacher, you're not good enough, we didn't give you one. You know, so, so we're waiting for that so we can know exactly which school but if we end up getting 100, then we'll do it, we'll add a school, you know, that, that type of thing. So the idea, and this is a little different than the past, because in the past we would ask you to bring items, and then we would distribute the items. We do not want you to bring items this time, it's a little different. We're going to supply the bags when you sponsor a teacher. So uh, each apple, as you leave today, and you'll see that little wall full of apples, if there's a red apple, that means that teacher is taken. Uh, somebody sponsored that teacher, gave $40 to their credit, and we will buy the bags and put all the items in the bag. We actually ran into a teacher and said, hey, what would you like to get? You know, we know tissue and Kleenex and, you know, uh, what's the stuff you put on your lips when you're ch uh, chap lips? Yeah, whatever that stuff is. Uh, you know, but they actually said, we actually would love Starbucks. So we're going to do like a big Starbucks card in the bag and then all those little items as well, you know, so they can clean and whatever. But we're going to give them some Starbucks as well. So when you sponsor a teacher, uh, you can, $40 sponsors a teacher, and then we will give, it to, give them a bag in uh, Camarillo Community Church's name, saying, hey, we support you, we love you. Not overtly religious, just, hey, we love you, thank you for raising our children, kind of thing, okay? Uh, and so you can do that. What if I want to sponsor more than one? Well, you can sponsor five for $200 if you want to do, and we'll just keep on going, and uh, we'll see how many teachers we can get. But our goal is 50, all right? Do you think we can do that? 50, so I think we can do that. So, um, um, and maybe even more than that. So uh, if you're at a place, and I just wanna make sure, because I know how this is, especially now trying to buy a house. I can't afford that right now. It's a little too much for me. You can still stop by the booth afterwards and write a little note. We want every teacher to get a note as well. Hey, wanna let you know we're praying for you. We love you. Thank you for what you're doing. My second grade teacher meant this much to me. You're, you're making more of an impact than you realize. Something of that nature, whatever you wanna write, you can write it. We'll put that, add that into each bag as well. So you can, uh, you can participate even if you don't have the financial means right now to do that. So maybe you wanna fill out two or three cards. That'd be wonderful so we can make sure every teacher gets a, a bag and a card in it as well. We will proofread those. Uh, because when I was in junior high, it'd be really funny if I, hey, you stink as a state teacher, and that's not encouraging, and that doesn't bless a teacher. So they will be proofread, just so you know, before we send them out. But why don't you join me uh, in this, and we would love to bless at least 50 teachers. Uh, it would be wonderful if we can do more than that. So that's how that works, uh, so you know, and you can get more information, obviously, afterwards on the patio. There's a whole section there, just so you can, so you can see actually what goes in each bag, all right? 
So with that, let's get started today. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, and this is going to require us to be a little introspective and honest, but when I was a kid, I was the kid that would wander off. Anybody like that? You know, I'm willing to admit. Like if I went into the drugstore, I would go straight to the toy aisle and play with every toy and then go find my mom. Anybody like that? Right? If I was in a clothing store, I would go in the middle of the clothing racks. You ever did that? And hide in the clothing racks and mom can't find you because you're inside. Anybody. Am I the only ADD kid in the world? Okay. And so, you know, if I was at the mall, I would go run toward the shoe store or the, or the arcade or the electronic store, depending on what age I was, a toy store, Mattel or whatever it was, you know, and I'd run there and I'd get, and I'd get lost and I'd end up with a situation afterward where, oh my gosh, I can't find my mom. You know what I mean? And I start freaking out and all that kind of thing. And it was just kind of, I, and even though I did this over and over and over again, always the same issue. I just couldn't, the impulse control of going and seeing what the new toy was would override this feeling of extreme fear that, oh my gosh, I'm lost and I don't know where to go. I remember when I was uh, real young, uh, there was a store called Long's Drugs. I don't know if it ever was in LA, but it was in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's a pretty prominent uh, train of dr- drug stores, several of them, probably 50, 60, 100 of them, uh, until CVS took over the world. There was this thing called John's Drugs. And I went there one time, and of course I went to the toy aisle, and I couldn't find my mom. And I went to the manager crying, and I, I, and, and I went to them, and, and they're saying, what's your name, what's your name? And I think I might have told you guys before, my first language as a child was Spanish. And so I would say, David, David, my name, or mi nombre es David, or, you know, whatever it was. I would, but I remember David was very prominent, right? And so they get on the, the, the speaker, the PA, for the whole story and go, can the parents of Steve please come to the front? The parents of Steve, we have your child. Steve's at the front waiting for you. Like, no, David. And now I'm crying anymore. I'm never going to find him. And all that kind of stuff would happen. And my mom had her, I think I told you guys this before, she had a very interesting way of, of stemming this problem. She would walk me next to the meat market, uh, you know, the little, the little meat market stand. Uh, when you go into the, like, Vons and they have the meat counter, and she would look at the pork chops. You see how juicy those pork chops are? I go, yeah. She goes, you know how they get them? I go, no, how? She goes, the little chubby Hispanic kids run away from their mom. They chop them at the pork chops. (laughs) And I stopped wandering off. (laughs) Because I didn't want to, you shouldn't do that to your child. It's wrong. Don't do that. But it is interesting how generationally things have, you know, came. now today I'll go up to Nevea and I would never do that because that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But I will say something like, you know, Nevea, if we ever have a problem and we, we don't have enough money or something, we could just chop off your leg, put a little salt and pepper on it, put it in the oven. We can eat a little appetizer, you know, because your leg, you know, will feed it. It's a little appetizer. And she looks at me, she's eight years old, and she goes, oh, yeah, Dad, we could chop off your leg and eat for a month. Anyway, chubby jokes aside, that's what my mom would do to get me to stop wandering off. And, uh, and today we're going to look at, on a deeper level, not, not as funny, how, how if we're not careful, we can find ourselves wandering off from God, how we can wander off from him. Even though we know and love him and know all these things, we can actually wander off and wander away from him. And we're going to kind of look at that today. And we're going we're gonna to look at how do we resist the temptation to wander and what can, we, what can happen if we don't? What is the key to remaining consistent in your faith, not wandering away? And what's the fallout if it's not followed? How do I stay close to Christ, and how do I ignore the competing voices that come from every other place? That's what we're looking at. So I encourage you to open your Bibles right now, whether you brought it or you have a, a, your phone with it with an app. Go to Galatians chapter 1. Uh, today we, be, we begin the actual book of Galatians. Last week we did a background of what Galatians is all about, and today we're going to start diving into it. And the overarching question we're going to look at today is, what should we do about the flightiness that we find in the church sometimes? 
What should we do about flightiness in the church? And the first thing we're going to see, the first answer to that question would be to remind everyone of the truth of the gospel. To remind everyone the truth that's in here, remind the truth of the gospel, the, the primary thing in here, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you will continue to focus on that and, and keep your mind on that and, and it remains beautiful to you, you'll, you won't wander off. And, and the first thing that Paul does is remind everybody of the truth of the gospel in the midst of, a context of, where people are being flighty and, and prone to wander and, and, and tempted to leave. He reminds them of the gospel. Let's look at that in verse chapter 1, verse 1 of Galatians. It says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with him, to the churches of Galatia, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What should we do about the flightiness in the church? The first thing is to remind everyone of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is kind of a customary kind of a greeting that Paul's going through. He does it in every one of his letters to every church that, he, that he's planted. And he's almost like a father speaking to his children. The first thing you do in a letter like that, you say, hey, this is who I am. This is who I'm writing to. But he does things a little differently in this one than he does in any other ones. I, he starts off by saying, I, I want to remind you that, that I wasn't, uh, I, I'm not in this position by the authority of any man. I didn't get to this place because some man uh, sanctioned me to do this. No, I was sanctioned from God. In fact, God the Father and God the Son are the one who sanctioned me to do this. There's a definite context in the book of Galatians or the letter to Galatian church where Paul is feeling the need to defend his apostleship. Like, I, I need to, first of all, before I can even talk with any credibility, I've got to, like, go back and rehearse my credentials here because some, some way, some shape or form out there, they're not buying that I, what I'm saying is credentialized or, or, or authenticated by God. And so i got to go back and remind everybody, I am an apostle. I have authority to speak on issues as pertaining to the faith. Why? Because I am an apostle. What's an apostle? Apostle was a representative or a delegate from God. So God himself has made me his delegate so I can represent him. God himself has made, made me uh, his representative, and so I can represent him. And so I've got to go start there because somewhere along the way, somebody's saying, he's not really an apostle. What he has to say isn't really uh, what we need to listen to. It's not true. What he, his message is merely from men. It's not from God. He, he, he added to the message of God by putting his own twist on it. Whatever it may be, somehow they're saying, we don't need to listen to him. And so he goes from the very, he says, no, I am Paul, the apostle. I'm one of the apostles. And, and just to remind you, I wasn't sent by men or by a man. No, I was sent by, from God himself, specifically God, the Father and the Son, that's who sent me. And if you don't understand that, you're not going to listen to me because you're going to believe that I've been authenticated or validated or, or that, I, that it's, it is substantiated that I can speak for God. Now, this is really important because uh, when, when you understand that all apostles had this in common, they had to be an eyewitness of Jesus Christ and they had to be sanctioned or commissioned by Jesus Christ. So you weren't an apostle, and that's why there aren't any apostles today, because none of us were around when Jesus walked on the earth. 
and we haven't been sanctioned or commissioned by Jesus Christ himself. Now, Paul's claim to fame was in Acts chapter 9. You can go back and read this later. He was in the presence of Jesus Christ himself, and Jesus Christ sent him as the apostle to the Gentiles. Go read Acts chapter 9. And he's saying, I want to let you know something. I didn't get, I'm, my credibility doesn't come from like people praying over me or, or commissioning me, any man or any people group. No, it was God himself who sent me. That's what happened to me in Acts chapter 9. And so he sanctioned me. I, I, I was an eyewitness of him. And he sanctioned me and commissioned me to be an apostle. And so all this idea that I'm not an apostle or the things that I'm saying aren't true or don't have to be listened to, no, 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 I'm an apostle. Now, thirdly, you had to be uh, 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 validated or authenticated from God, miraculously speaking. We can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. I encourage you to write that down and look that up a little later. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, uh, these are acts that come in according. When you're an apostle, you see uh, signs and wonders, and Paul is, in effect, saying, I was sanctioned by God the Father and the Son, all right? And, and, and I was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. He commissioned me, and I even have the miraculous validators that come with all the other apostles. So why in the world aren't we listening to me? And that's really what he's trying to do. I can check off all those boxes. I was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. I was commissioned by Jesus Christ. I've also been validated miraculously. So why is my, uh, my apostleship under question? Maybe something was going around like, well, you weren't a part of the, you weren't uh, one of the, the, the first 12. You weren't walking with Jesus on the earth. You weren't one of the first 12, so you're not an apostle. No, 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 no. I can still check these boxes off. I've seen him. He's commissioned me. And the miraculous authenticates me. And I just tell you this on a side note. If you ever want to do something for God, just understand the critics will be there. If you ever want to do something, stand up for God. Understand the critics will be, even if you're not going to go into ministry, you don't feel called, but I do want to represent Jesus Christ on my workplace, and I want to stand up for Jesus and say that I'm a Christian. The moment you do that, you better believe the critics will show up. Because we live in a culture that says we don't value Jesus Christ, we don't value anybody who believes in Jesus Christ, and anybody who believes in Jesus Christ is intolerant. And so right away, you're going to alienate yourself. If you ever want to stand up for God, you better believe. And Jesus said it, by the way. They came after me, they persecuted me, and when you represent my name, they'll persecute you because you're not gonna be any better than me and you're gonna represent me. So expect it, the criticisms to come. And the interesting thing, sometimes they come from friendly fire. <laughs> sometimes they come from even within the church. You just better learn to get some thick skin and go, okay, you know what? I'm focused on God and God alone and doing what he's called me to do. And I'm gonna represent the best I can. And you move forward with that attitude in love and in peace and trying to move forward. But just expect it. It's gonna come just like it came for Paul the Apostle, who did miracles, and yet there was still criticism of him. And so he says, I was sent from God the Father and God the Son. And then he says something. By the way, the Son who, who gave himself for our sins in verse 4 and delivered us from the present evil age. You do realize that the person who commissioned me is the very person who rescued us. In fact, he's our only way to be rescued. It's like he's, he's saying it from the outset of the very beginning. It's the foundation of everything we believe, that Jesus Christ would come and rescue us from this evil age. There's no other way to be rescued from this evil age than, than, than Jesus Christ's work on the cross, his, his, his perfect life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the only way to be reconciled to God. And he's putting it at the outset of this thing. You do realize there's no other way to be rescued. You, you, you do remember that there's no ability within yourself to measure back up to God. 
There's a chasm. We just sang about this. There's a chasm between us and God. It's so far differentiated. We cannot jump up there. We need a bridge to get up to God so we can have fellowship with God. And the only bridge that's there is Jesus Christ. You do remember, that's the guy that commissioned me, by the way. And I want to remind you of the very basis of our faith, that if it wasn't for him, we can't get there. He's going out of his way to say, let's go back to the basics here. And I'm going to take it even a little further in the basics here. In Adam, we all died. Adam, as our representative, the representative of humanity, made a mistake in the garden. And because of his mistake in the garden, all of us have sin. So in Adam, we all died. Now, some people have a hard time with that. Sometimes, well, man, I, I, I don't, I mean, I, you mean I'm going to stand before God? He's going to say the first thing he did wrong is what Adam did in the garden? That's not fair. That's not fair. Like, I wasn't even there. I guess I was in him, you know, I, well, we're all in him in, the, in a sense. We all came from him. So, but God's going to hold me accountable for something I didn't even do? And we have a problem with that, but we don't have a problem when Jesus Christ comes, dies on the cross, and God gives us credit for his righteousness. All of a sudden, in Jesus Christ, as our representative of humanity, every human being has the potential for life, if you believe. Wait a second. Now, now, now God's going to give me credit for an action of another person? See how it flips? Man, I love it when it's the grace of God. All of a sudden now, God can look at me as righteous, declare me righteous, even though he knows everything I've done, everything in the past, everything that's ugly. He knows that, he pardons that, puts the righteousness of Jesus Christ over me, so when he looks at me, he says, that's my perfect child. That happens because I have a representative in Jesus Christ who becomes my substitute. But just as Adam, in Adam we all die, in Jesus Christ we all have the potential to live. In fact, you can look at it further in Romans chapter five and study that even more. What he's saying is, hey, do you do remember that there's nothing in and of yourself that you can reach God? The only way we can reach God is through Jesus Christ. It's our gospel. It's our good news that there's a way to reach this perfect being, even though we pale in comparison to him and we don't deserve him. He made a way to make us righteous. You do realize, you do remember that the very person that commissioned me is the very person that I preached to you. That the only way you can get to him is by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, death, burial, and rest. That's who we're talking about here. That's who has commissioned me. He's saying to them, the, 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 the thing that emancipates you from the 